Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation and Revelation chapter number 21, the book of Revelation and chapter 21. As we are now beginning our series of the Millennial Kingdom, we find that we have to set up the framework. We have to set up the vocabulary. We have to make sure that we're on the same page to help clarify and take people from the known to the unknown. On Sunday, we spent two messages explaining the framework of prophecy, that God has listed very clear framework that everything that falls in the idea of prophecy has to fit within that frame. Tonight, we're going to talk more about terminology and trying to explain the difference between three different areas that oftentimes people commonly mix together and make interchangeable. And because of that, it brings about a wrong doctrine, a wrong theology, a wrong way of looking at the future and with a wrong doctrine comes a wrong application. And we want to make sure that we have our terminology correct so that way we can be the best help to others to bring them from the known to the unknown, even in dealing with how we speak and how we say certain things. Do you know that you can have every good intention, but if you say something wrong, it can confuse someone. And when we speak about eternal things like heaven, that is something we don't want to be wrong on. That is something that we don't want to give people the wrong information on. It is something that we very much want to be biblical in our understanding and our thinking. And so if you don't mind, let's take our copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of Revelation chapter 21. Revelation 21, and if you don't mind, notice with me in verse number 1. Revelation 21 and verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And if you don't mind, I want you to highlight a couple different phrases for me. First of all, in 20 verse Chapter 21 and verse 1, there are two phrases I want you to highlight, to underline. Notice it says, new heaven and first heaven. Chapter 21, verse 1, new heaven and first heaven. 
Then in verse number four, I want you to highlight the former things are passed away. Uh, Chapter 21, verse four, at the very end, the former things are passed away. And with this, we want to hit the difference between heaven and the millennial kingdom. Heaven and the millennial kingdom. We want to be able to explain the difference and we want you, first of all, to know the difference, to have a biblical understanding of the difference, and then be able to adjust our vocabulary and our thinking so we can communicate clearly to others and not confuse them. Terminology is a very big deal and we want to make sure that we use things correctly and biblically to get across biblical truth. The difference between heaven and the millennial kingdom. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you today, we're coming and asking for your Holy Spirit intervention. Lord, this is a type of message that becomes very vital because we want to clearly explain what is the difference between these different subjects, these different areas, these different parts of our future. Lord, this is a conceptual type message, meaning that we have to explain a concept. I'm asking that you would help give me the words, the unction, the understanding, that your Holy Spirit would be working alongside with me and for me and to me to be able to help get across and that your Holy Spirit would be working with these good folks here that they could receive, understand, process, and learn. Lord, I understand that my physical state now in my own limitations, my own inabilities, there's no way I can trust my own self physically right now. And because I can't trust myself physically, that means I can't trust myself mentally. But I can trust you. So the best I know how, I surrender my health, my strength, my knowledge, my ambitions, my goals, my desires, my understanding, I give that all to you and just ask that you use me as a vessel, as an instrument to get your work accomplished and that you would do it in such a way that you get the honor, glory, and praise. Because this is so important, I'm begging you, Lord, for you to do your own work. Help us even now, Lord. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. There is today lots of confusion about things dealing with prophecy, about things dealing with our future. And because there's a misunderstanding, there's a misapplication of these terms. When we're talking today, we actually have three different terms that we have to identify. That what we have is heaven now, heaven now, We have the term of the millennial kingdom and then the concept of heaven that most people usually think about, which we're going to call eternity future. So heaven now, the millennial kingdom, and then eternity future. We want to be able to distinguish between these. Sometimes just even using those terms properly can help us. Heaven now, the millennial kingdom, 
and then eternity future, which is often called heaven. So if we have two terms, by the way, that are called heaven, but operate differently, you could already see that there would be confusion. In fact, may I say that most of you, just because I understand how people are raised and what thing, may even have a misunderstanding of heaven now and heaven called eternity future. Those are two different settings with two different, may I say, operating systems, two different ways of how they work. And you cannot apply the things from eternity future to what heaven is like right now. To do so gets a wrong theology and a wrong application. And by the way, if you get those two heavens mixed up, then it also messes up with the view of the millennial kingdom. So what we're going to do is we have a tangled mess. If you can imagine a Gordian knot and we've got to somehow untangle this thing. Well, we're just going to cheat like Alexander the Great and take a sword and just whack at it and untie the knot this way and just see what the sword of the spirit will do to help us untangle and try to have a clear idea of these three terms, heaven now, the millennial kingdom and eternity future, which is often called heaven. If you don't mind, let's start off by describing heaven now. Turn with me, if you don't mind, to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians in chapter number 12. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, the apostle Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. And in this passage, he begins to give a testimony Notice with me, if you don't mind, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and notice with me in verse number 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 2. Paul is speaking, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. Notice that phrase, third heaven heaven. He says, and I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Now in this, he is giving a testimony. In this, it is my personal opinion, and I believe that we can prove it in scripture, that Paul is talking about himself. He's just saying, I knew a man. He's not just saying, hey, it was me. I died and went to heaven. He said, I knew a guy 14 years ago. If you line it up from where Corinthians is, it brings us all the way back to a place called Lystra. Here, Paul is starting his earthly ministry and beginning to preach. And he goes into a town called Lystra and he begins to preach. And the Jewish folks didn't like his preaching. So they dragged him outside of town and they took rocks and they rocked him to sleep. They stoned him. Now, by the way, just so you could get a clear vision in your head, stoning is a very violent type thing. So when they would take the stones, they would take it and they would throw and they would hit your body. And a stone, when it hits your body, doesn't just bounce off. There's usually bruises, cuts, broken bones. And remember, when people are throwing stones with the intent to kill someone, they're not soft hits. And so every rock that lands will do damage. 
And it wasn't just one rock that just happened to hit the right spot and then he died and then they were done. They surrounded, threw him in a pit, they surrounded the outside edge and everyone throwing rocks down into that pit. Everyone all at once is throwing rocks. The body that was left over was dead. It was mangled, broken, bruised, cut, bleeding. It was a mess. And so anyone with any sense could go and pronounce him dead. How dead is he? He's dead, dead. He's gone. Not breathing, not responding. If they put an EKG on him, his heart wouldn't be beaten. EEG, no brain waves. He's dead. He's dead, dead. You could kick him. He won't respond. No groan. He's dead. Dead, dead. And so the people, Lystra, well, got rid of him. Well, Paul's dead. The apostles or the disciples now come circling around Paul and looking at him and say, man, this guy's dead. I mean, he was a great preacher, but, you know, they cut him short. And they didn't like him at all. And then he got up. He was dead. Now he got up. Now, may I remind you that the stones broke his body? And we got up. Not only was he alive, he was healed. Just to kind of show that God did a full miracle. It wasn't like he put someone's brain into a broken body. Now the rest of their life, they're all broken because they can't move. God healed him. And then he went back into town and preached again. Those are the same people who just killed him. I mean, shocked a lot of those people got saved. I mean, that was a big deal. Including a young man by the name of Timothy. Now, when Paul died, he died, died. It wasn't imaginary. It wasn't just whatever else. He died, died. When he talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says... I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. That was Paul in Lystra. Whether out of the body I can't tell or in the body I can't tell, God knoweth, for such a one caught up into the third heaven. All right, now we got to define terminology again. The Bible describes three different heavens today. Did you know that there are three different heavens? There's a heaven where the birds fly into. That's a heaven. There's a heaven where the sun, moon, and stars are at. We call that outer space. We call the birds flying in air. And then the third heaven is beyond all of that. That is where God is at, the holding chamber is. That's the third heaven. So Paul said, I didn't go where the birds were at. I didn't go to the sun, moon, and stars. I didn't go to a different planet. I went to somewhere completely different. I went to heaven. And when I was there, let me tell you, it was different. He says, and I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I can't tell. God knoweth how he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. He starts saying, listen, heaven was undescribable. <laughs> I can't tell you about it. It was just, wow. He says, but I was there. I was there for a little bit. God says, nope, send back, and there you go. They sent him back. Could you imagine what confidence Paul had after that when he was preaching? That he says, listen, 
you do whatever you want with me. But if God doesn't want me to go home yet and wants me to stay down here, I'm staying down here. I'm preaching anyways. There was a lot of confidence here. But with this, we understand a little bit that there is a holding chamber. And that's what we're, I'm using that word deliberately, a holding chamber called heaven. That when someone dies, the Bible is very clear that absent from the body is present from the Lord. That if someone has trusted Jesus Christ as their personal savior, the moment they die, they are immediately in this holding chamber of heaven. They're carried by the Holy Spirit. Now with this, this holding chamber of heaven is not our final destination. This is what the Bible said in the passage we had started with, that it was the first heaven. And then God is going to make a new heaven. This first heaven is going to be different than eternity future. However, this is why we're trying to clarify terms. If we start applying the things from eternity future to this holding chamber of heaven, we're going to have two different ideas. For example, I'm trying to see which, what, how, what direction I'm going to go. Let's, uh, let me take a different pit stop first. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let me explain more about this process of us going into this holding chamber. That when we die, absent from the body is present with the Lord. Immediately, once you die, you are somewhere. You are either in heaven or hell. You're either, by the way, in the holding chamber of heaven, which is not eternity future, or you're in the holding chamber of hell, which is not the lake of fire. Both of those are temporary holding spots until God is ready to continue with his plan of eternity. Does that make sense? Now, I'm not trying to speak slowly uh, because <laughs> I'm speaking down. I'm trying to make sure that we could clearly understand and untangle these things. That if someone dies right now, if they've accepted Christ as their savior, they're going to heaven, which is a temporary holding spot, not our final destination. If somebody dies without accepting Christ as their savior, if they were to die right now, they would immediately go to the holding chamber of hell, which is not their final destination. Their final destination is the lake of fire, which is different and more intense than this holding chamber they're currently at. We're understanding that if they die, anyone dies, they're immediately in a temporary holding chamber. All right, 2 Corinthians 5, and let's start at verse 5. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 5. Now he that hath wrought us for the same thing is God, who hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Notice if you don't mind that phrase in verse number five where it talks about the earnest 
of the Spirit. The earnest of the Spirit. The word earnest is a financial term. It carries the idea of a down payment. If someone is to buy a house, sometimes they would ask for earnest money. That earnest money is a financial term that shows I'm going to give a certain amount to show that I am very serious about my promise to buy this house. Does that make sense? So the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is our earnest. It's the earnest. What is the Holy Spirit living within us? It's God's evidence that he is going to take us to heaven. It's God's proof. It's showing that God is serious about it. And as we read on in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, notice if you don't mind in verse number 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things new. When you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Holy Spirit, who is God, comes to live inside of you. And when he lives inside of you, he becomes a part of you. You cannot be separated from the Holy Spirit. You have now merged. We call the word regenerated. We know what the word gene means today. It carries the idea of DNA. You are a new creature. You are regenerated, reformed into something different. You are now a human who has God living as a part of them. Now notice, I didn't say that you are God. That's not what we're teaching. We just say that God has now infused himself as part of you as evidence that when you die, he, the Holy Spirit, is going to take your spirit and soul to heaven. That is the evidence that he's going to do that. That is the earnestness. This is why it's important that you're saved, that you know for sure that you're saved and the Holy Spirit lives within you. Because if you don't know the Holy Spirit's within you, then you don't have the promise or the evidence that you're going to heaven when you die. How do I know that I have the Holy Spirit? Well, the number one thing the Holy Spirit does is convict us. If you are never convicted of your sins, then you don't have the Holy Spirit live within you. You don't have this promise. You don't have this guarantee, this earnest of the Holy Spirit. Do you make, does that make sense? Conviction is horrible to be convicted, but it is great evidence that I'm one of his. And if the Holy Spirit lives in this in me, soon as I die, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Does that make sense? He's going to bring me to this holding chamber of heaven. But this is not our final spot. It is a temporary holding place. Turn back with me to Revelation 21. Revelation 21. Now, why do we make a big deal out of this? Because the holding chamber of heaven is different than eternity future. May I show you some things that are different? Verse number four. Uh, Revelation 21 verse four. And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. Well, people say, well, I can't wait to go to heaven because I'll cry no more. That doesn't apply to the holding chamber of heaven. That God will wipe away your tears at the end during eternity future. Do you know that there's a lot more tears for even people in heaven after this they die? We'll talk more about that in some messages later on. But you understand your tears are not over yet, even if you die. You say, that's not very comforting. I'm sorry, but there's some things still ahead that will make you cry. In the millennial kingdom and the white throne judgment, there are going to be many tears. 
The Bible talks about in the book of Hebrews that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Do you know that there are people who are up in heaven? They're watching you and they're cheering for you and they're crying when you fail. Man, I'm convicted over that all the time. My preacher friends who are in heaven, Mr. Orland who's in heaven, and when I do something stupid or foolish, and they're looking at me like, man, we expect it better from you. That's kind of daunting, isn't it? There are people that are heartbroken up in heaven that are wanting people to do right and say, don't you understand? You need to get saved. Please get saved. Please. All right, the preacher's talking to him. Please give it. Oh, they didn't get saved. You understand there's a lot of heartbrokenness even in heaven now. This is a big deal. Our tears are not going to be gone. God shall wipe away the tears from their eyes and there should be no more death. Do you know that there's still going to be death? We have the millennial kingdom. There's going to people die. We're going to still watch death up in heaven. We're going to watch people on earth die. And then when we come back for the millennial kingdom, there are going to be people who die in the millennial kingdom. This idea of no more death is eternity future. It is a different place, a different setup. There should be no more, neither sorrow nor crying. Notice this, tears, sorrow, crying. <laughs> there's a lot of this emphasis here because there's going to be a lot of tears and crying still in your future. You're like, I'm not being encouraged, preacher. I'm just saying we have to have a right view of eternity in the right spot. Neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. And we'll talk more about this in length in a second. But I'm saying that the holding chamber of heaven is not this eternity. There are still tears ahead. There are still brokenheartedness ahead. There's still sorrow up ahead in our futures. This is not eternity future. There's still things to look forward to. Now, you're like, you've destroyed my whole life view. I understand that. But you, can you see where people have confused these two things? And this is important because don't you think that if you went up to heaven and found out that you still have some crying days, don't you think you'd be mad if someone told you a lie and said you're not going to cry anymore? Ooh, explain this. <laughs> I make it light, but you know, you understand there's a lot of people who have a misunderstanding and they're going to get up to eternity future and go, what just happened? This isn't what they told me. We need to be clear to this and explain this. The holding chamber of heaven is different. Now, when you die, am I saying it's a miserable place up there? No, not at all. You see, we're going to be with the Lord, and, but we're going to be watching and cheering the people on earth, and there are going to be people here that break our hearts down here. You said, well, they break my heart down here. Yeah, but up there, you watch everything they're doing, and you watch them reject the Lord, and you watch them make choices, and that's worse. It's a very big deal. And if you've never realized that you had a great cloud witnesses cheering for you or watching you fail, there's something for you to think and meditate on tonight. Or when next time you want to watch that YouTube video you know you shouldn't watch. This is a big deal. They know how important eternity is, by the way, right now. Where we think we do and then we do stupid things. And they're like, no, you don't understand. This is a big deal. All right, anyways. So we have the holding chamber of heaven. After that, we're going to have the millennial kingdom. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. The millennial kingdom is something that is in between the holding chamber of heaven 
and eternity future. We have a thousand year gap. Now, once again, people try to mix terms and try to apply things for eternity future to the millennial kingdom, or they try to put things in the millennial kingdom to eternity future. These are two different subjects, two different ways of working, and you cannot apply the same thing to each one. We have to rightly divide the word of truth. Notice with me Revelation 20 and verse number one. And we're going to read this passage. And by the way, for the next 40 messages, you're going to hear it over and over and over and over. Might as well get used to it. Why? Because it talks about a thousand years. Notice with me all the times it says a thousand years, starting at verse one, chapter 20, verse one. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of a bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid a hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan and bound him for how long? And cast him into a bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him that he should deceive the nations no more till how long class? shall be fulfilled, and after that he shall be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and the judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither in his image, neither had received his mark on their forehead or in their hands, and lived and reigned with Christ. How long? But the rest of the dead lived not again until... We're finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him. How long? And when the how long? are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Six times in seven verses, God said a thousand years. How long do you think God meant by this? thousand years. God has placed an emphasis on a thousand years over and over and over. Our God is smart enough to say what he means and means what he says. So when he says a thousand years, it's going to be a thousand years. Now we know that the next event on God's calendar is the rapture. At the rapture, all of us who are still on earth, who have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal savior, that we are going to be called away, raptured up, and we're going to meet Jesus in the air. At the very same time, our brand new bodies are coming with us. And all those people who are in the holding chamber of heaven are going to get met with their brand new bodies. That's when we get our brand new bodies. That's when everything changes. We get a brand new body that functions differently. Then at the end of that seven year tribulation, we're coming back down with Jesus in our brand new bodies. And when we come back down on this earth, we're going to be here for a while, a thousand years. That's a long time. And so we're not going to be in heaven during that time, either the holding chamber of heaven or eternity future. We're going to be on earth for a thousand years. You say, I don't want to come back to this stinking rotten place. Yeah, but God's going to make things better. He's going to get, get rid of the curse, put Garden of Eden conditions. It's going to be a wonderful place to be at, plus a perfect government, and we get to help them out, or at least some of us who have proven ourselves faithful get to help them out. But we have the opportunity, and we're going to live here for a thousand years, and things are going to look different. Now, what is the big deal out of this? Some people have in mind that the millennial kingdom is going to be perfect. It is not. There's still going to be sinners who live in here. We're going to have a perfect government, and justice is going to be quick. But you're still going to have people who are born who are sinners. And none of us know a sinner who's always perfect. There's going to be issues. 
And that's what we're going to be here for with our brand new bodies is help kind of settle arguments between people who have issues. Can two brothers or two sisters or a brother and sister who love each other very much still fight? Why? Because they're sinners, right? Only by pride cometh forth contention. There's going to be people, sinners have pride and they're going to think they're right and the other person's going to think they're right and they're going to have an issue and we are going to help settle those issues. We're going to help administrate the government. Now, some people have in mind that the millennial kingdom is going to be a perfect place where everyone is equal. I'm sorry, that is not true. People will not be equal. Now, there will be justice and you will find that when you get judged by the Lord, he judged fairly. It will be fair, but not everyone will be equal. What do I mean by that? There are some people that God will trust more and give them a better position and give them more responsibility. And there are some people that God did not trust that he's going to set aside and say, listen, I don't want to use you. But that's not fair. Everyone should listen. King Jesus is going to be in charge. He has every right as king and ruler to pick who he wants to be on his staff. Listen, let's say that I'm an employer. Don't I have every right to choose who I want to work for me? If I have someone who I know will not show up on time and will not work when he's there, do I want to put him in a position? No. I want to find someone who's proven himself before as a good employee. That's what I want to hire him on. Guess what? Right now, you're in a lifelong job application. You are proving with your life right now, can you be trusted? And God is going to choose those people to serve in his kingdom who he trusts, who's proven themselves to be workers and faithful and full of discernment and who know their Bible. And if someone says, listen, I don't want to read my Bible. Oh, great. You don't have to. Well, am I still going to heaven? If you've accepted Jesus Christ, your savior, absolutely. Okay. Well then I'm not going to read my Bible. Wait, 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 wait. But do you understand in the millennial kingdom to be not found faithful? You're going to have to wear that badge for a thousand years. And we're going to get messages that will show that. And there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, that colloquial term is something that shows that people are going to be miserable. It's just an expression. But some people like to apply that also to hell. Yeah, hell's going to be a great miserable place. But there are going to be people who are miserable in the millennial kingdom because they weren't found faithful now they're going to be set aside and God says, I can't use you. You're not faithful. I didn't trust you. I'm not going to put you in my government because I didn't trust you. Is God, Jesus, wrong for doing that? No. He has every right to do what he wants. Now, there are some people that say, but that's not fair. I think he should give everyone something. Why? What makes you think that everyone has to be equal? Other than Americanism. Jesus has every right to do with what he wants. This is the whole purpose of this series is to explain what's going to happen in that millennial kingdom so we could be the best used possible and be warned about how important our decisions really are. They are more important than you could even imagine. You reading your Bible tomorrow is important. It will affect a thousand years. 
it is important. And so the millennial kingdom is not in heaven. We will be on earth. And it will operate different than the holding chamber of heaven. And it will operate different than the eternity future. Does that make sense? We're going to have a whole series explaining the details of that millennial kingdom. But when we speak to people, we need to be very clear. People like to say, well, I'm going to die and go to heaven. You understand before you go to eternity future, we have a big pit stop of a thousand years. And that's a long time. That's 10 times longer than you're probably going to live on this earth. That's a long time. And so our actions now matter. But when you die, it's not going to be all roses and butterflies and babies with diapers and, and halos and whatnot. I'm sorry I burst someone's bubble. That's not what heaven is like. But even before you get to that final destination, there is a big pit stop, a long pit stop that you're not in heaven. You're here on earth. Granted, a fixed earth and a wonderful place, but it's not going to be heaven. Which brings us to chapter 21, Revelation 21. And let's go to the eternity future, the heaven of eternity future. Notice with me again in chapter 21 and verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. So notice this. God is going to make everything new. There is very little said about eternity future. There's a lot about the millennial kingdom. There are more passages dedicated to the millennial kingdom than any other subject in the Bible except for the tabernacle and temple. God has put a lot of emphasis. Why? Because we can understand that we live here on earth. You can imagine in your mind an earth that looks perfect, right? I mean, that's, it may be a stretch, but you could process that. How can you process heaven? We have no way of comparison. We have no way of understanding. We don't know how things are going to work. Could you imagine that even our optical, we know something about the electrical medical scale. Do you know, what if you could see microwaves? What if you could see sound? We can't process that because we can't do that now. You can't see sound. What if you can, <coughs> what if you could hear colors? Man, that feels like pretty winkle. Man, that is my favorite shade of pink. Oh, it sounds good. We can't process that information. Heaven can work completely different. We may even have more senses than our five that we have now. Who knows what it is? God knows that we can't process that. I mean, how many of you have melted your brain just trying to think about eternity where there's no more time? I mean, that's enough to melt your brain. We can't process that. So God doesn't even try and he doesn't give us a lot of information about eternity future because he says, you, you can't understand, so I'm not even going to try. Here, I'll tell you about it, the pit stop along the way. And you let me worry about eternity future. I'm just going to say it's different. It's going to be different than the holding chamber of heaven. It's going to be different than the millennial kingdom. It's going to be brand new. Verse 2, and John saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down. We'll have a whole message on New Jerusalem, by the way. From God, from out of heaven, 
prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he shall dwell with them and he shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and they shall be their God. And God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes. And there should be no more death and no more sorrow, no more crying. Neither shall be there no more pain for the former things have passed away. So things are going to be different. Notice this. No more tears. No more pain. No more sorrow. Now, let's logic this. Is there a thing going on at this same time called the lake of fire? Are there going to be people that we know that it's in that lake of fire? Are there going to be people that we love in that lake of fire? then may I say, how is it that we have no more tears? How can you enjoy heaven if your mom didn't make it? How can you enjoy heaven if your kid didn't make it? That's a good question. Notice what God is going to do. Hold your finger here. We're going to come right back here. But take a pit stop with me in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 65. That is a good question. How can someone enjoy heaven if your parents didn't make it, if your loved one, even if your neighbor didn't make it, how could you, how could you not have tears knowing that they are being tortured day and night forever and ever and never going to be um, pulled out? In fact, forget day and night. There's no time. There's no breaks. There's no siesta. There's no passing out. There's no sleeping. Notice what's going to happen. Isaiah 65 and verse 17 Isaiah 65 and verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. And the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. You know what God is going to do for eternity future? Is he's going to make new heaven and new earth. But he's also going to reset our minds. Well, we'll no longer remember this time here. We'll no longer remember the holding chamber of heaven. We'll no longer remember millennial kingdom. All of it will be gone. I'll get into this in a different message, but you know those loved ones that we'll have that it went to the lake of fire? They'll be a forgotten people and never be remembered ever again. That's also part of their punishment. But that's how come we can enjoy heaven because we won't realize there's anything else. We'll enjoy the bliss. Now, what makes heaven really worth going? Is it the lack of sorrow, the lack of tears, the perfect health, no more death? Turn back to me one last time to Revelation 21. What makes heaven worth going? Revelation 21 and verse 3. And I saw a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and shall be their God. What's going to make heaven worth going there is because God is there. That will make it worth it to be with our creator forever. No breaks, no stops, no pauses, no sickness, no vacation days. We get to be with him forever. No stop. That is what makes heaven worth it. Which now brings the question to you, dear friend. Are you 100% sure that if something was to happen to you, 
that you would go to that holding chamber of heaven? Are you 100% sure that when time ends that you will be in eternity future? How can I know for sure? Well, are your sins forgiven? What makes heaven worth going there is that God is there. But the problem is, is that none of us are perfect and God can't allow something that's not perfect to go to that perfect place. We deserve to be separated from him. Sin separates us. But God wanted us to go so badly that he robed himself in flesh and came on this earth as the Lord Jesus Christ. God, as Jesus, died for us to pay that price that we owed God for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That Jesus died on the cross to give us forgiveness of our sins full, free, and forever. He was buried, put on a borrowed tomb, and on the third day he rose again. When he rose again, it proved that Jesus was God and that God was satisfied with the payment that was made. Jesus did all the work. All we have to do is accept the terms that's it except that free gift that God offered for us have you ever come to the place where you personally accepted that free gift the moment that you accept that free gift the Bible says that you're born again the Holy Spirit who is God comes to live inside of you you become a new creature that Holy Spirit is the earnest of the spirit so if you die absent from the body is present with the Lord oh what a wonderful God are you a hundred percent sure not 95 not 50 not 25, are you 100% sure according to the Bible that your sins are forgiven and that you would be with heaven, be with God in heaven? Are you 100% sure that you would go to eternity future with him because of the promises of the Bible? Let me tell you, if you don't know, it'd be our great privilege to take the Bible and to show you from the Bible how you could know. With this, we're just asking that if we could be a blessing or an encouragement, if we could help sort things out, let us know. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.